Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. Hi, everybody. I'm Catherine Pierce, and I'm the Poet Laureate for the state of Mississippi. Welcome to the Mississippi Poetry Podcast, a podcast where poetry comes alive for listeners. Across the country and the world, poets are writing right now and creating vibrant, important poems that enlighten, entertain, challenge, and comfort. Some of these incredible poets have roots right here in Mississippi. Each episode of the Mississippi Poetry Podcast will feature a different poet with Mississippi connections. We'll hear a poem, learn about how it was written, and chat a bit about poetry and beyond. I'm so excited to welcome Dr. Treasure Shields Redmond to the podcast today. A Mississippi native, Dr. Treasure Shields Redmond is a St. Louis Metro-based poet, performer, and educator. Treasure is a Cave Canem Fellow who has earned an MFA from the University of Memphis and a PhD from Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Treasure has featured at the New Yorican Poets Cafe and published poetry, fiction, and nonfiction in notable anthologies and journals. Her chapbook, Chop, 30 Quonsabas for Fannie Lou Hamer, was published by Argus House Press in 2015. Treasure, thank you so much for talking poems with me today. Oh, wow. You are so welcome. It is, oh man, it's a treat to be here by anything created by my beloved home state of Mississippi. So you're welcome. Well, thank you. We are very glad to have you on. So I always like to start off with a non-poetry question so that we can get to know are poets as people a little better? So in addition to you being a poet and an educator, you are also a musician. And Mm -hmm. here's my question for you. If you could suddenly have incredible talent on an instrument that you don't currently play, what instrument would you choose? Um, I would play the guitar Mm -hmm. uh, because as I have gone around performing uh, the work from CHOP, which is largely in the voice of Fannie Lou Hamer. It has also led me to listen to more foundational blues singers. And so if I could play the guitar like Big Mama Thornton or Memphis Minnie, wow. (laughs) I would be unstoppable at that point. Oh, yeah, man. Well, not too late. <laughs> Maybe this is something you need to pick up and add to, I your know. Life, you know, instead of baking bread and making gardens like everybody else in the <laughs> pandemic, I should have took guitar lessons. But it's not I too late. Like you said, it's not too late. You can do it. All. You can bake <laughs> bread and tend the garden and learn the guitar and you can do the whole thing. So, well, I love that. Thank you. So. So what are you going to be reading for us today? I know that you had mentioned um, the poems and the voice of Fannie Lou Hamer. So. Mm-hmm if you could maybe set up for us what you're going to share and share something about the writing of that poem, either before you read it or after, however you want to do it is fine. Okay. So I want to briefly uh, mention that Fannie Lou Hamer was a Mississippi native of Sunflower County, uh, a very noted and integral part of the civil rights movement. And she is the reason we have the voters' right bill, which is now under attack, but yet and still. (laughs) She's the reason it was passed. And she's noted for, you know, spearheading getting Head Start in Mississippi, uh, running for numerous public offices. And uh, you can go and see 
her uh, resting place uh, next to her husband, Paps, in Ruleville with her signature phrase on her headstone, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. So this poem, Bound, is the, is the last poem in the book. And I chose it because as I read about the end of her life, uh, Mrs. Hamer was like a lot of activists in that she had been surveilled by uh, the U.S. government and attempts to, you know, stop her resistance. And that combined with poverty and, and ill health had messed with her mental health. But through all of that, she remained bound to her promise, bound to the young people who she loved on so much uh, during Freedom Summer and beyond and uh, bound to the land of Mississippi, just uh, she had pledged herself and she stood by that to the end. So this is Bound. My man Paps wants to save me up like change, but this thick black body is spent. Spare breast, spare kidney, fibrous wound taken full, I knowed it, was gone lay down my burden. I'm riverside bound for the promised God. I would serve him till I die. Thank you for sharing that poem. Could you talk a little bit about the form that poem is written in? I know that it's a Kwansaba. If you could tell listeners a little bit about that form, and maybe why you chose that form for the, the structure of this entire book that you've put together um, about Fannie Lou Hamer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you asked me about the form because it allows me to talk about my father. <laughs> so I am uh, in many ways a dual citizen of Meridian, Mississippi and East St. Louis, Illinois, because my father is from East St. Louis, Illinois. Um, and he is a noted uh, Black arts movement poet. His name is Eugene Redmond. Uh, and he created this form that the poem is in. If you were to look at it, you would notice it's the short poem with short lines. This form is called the Kwansaba. Uh, and it is named after um, the wonderful uh, African-American holiday, Kwanzaa. And it combines the name Kwanzaa with the seven principles that are celebrated during Kwanzaa, the Nguzo Saba. So it is normally a praise poem. And its rules are, you can have no more than seven words, each point per line. Each word needs to be no longer than seven letters, unless it is a proper noun. For instance, Mississippi, definitely would have to, you know, write longer than seven letters. And it, it is seven lines long. Now, the reason I chose it is this. When I first started writing, well, I became obsessed with Mrs. Hamer in about 2004. Um, I came down to my alma mater, Jackson State University, with a group of teachers with an NEH grant. And they took us on the civil rights trail. And I had known about Mrs. Hamer, but I hadn't fully uh, understood her power. And it was during that time that I was fully introduced to who she was and her legacy. And I just became obsessed with her. So 
after years of gestating this work, I started to write it and it was really didactic and preachy. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's just not good. And I realized I needed a form in order to control uh, what the poems were attempting to do and to limit my own voice so that this voice that I imagined of hers could be front and center and not me preaching about, you know, being anti-Black and sexist and <laughs> that sort of thing. So yeah. that is why the Kwansaba turned out to be a really perfect form for this subject matter. I love that way of thinking about form, that the way that form, like the, the restrictions of form can ultimately free us up as poets so that we can find the voice the poem needs or find the mm. moment the poem needs. Or sometimes those restrictions end up sort of unlocking the poem in a way. And so that's such a, it's such a great way to think about that. And I also, I mean, this form is such a precise form and it has all these very specific, you know, the numerical um, aspects of it and mm -hmm. It's such an interesting form. And so the, your entire chapbook is comprised of Kwansabas, right? All the poems in this book are following that form. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. The entire poem is, the entire book is composed of Kwansabas. And it was also attractive because, you know, as a Black woman raised in Mississippi, like Fannie Lou Hamer, um, those sorts of, those sorts of underlying hoodoo principles are there as well. So there's a, a Christianity in Mississippi. And I say a Christianity because depending on what Christian you talk to, it's different for everyone. <laughs> there's a, there's a, Christ, a Black Christianity in Mississippi uh, that, that you know really puts an emphasis on what I call possession. My family members don't like to call it that. They like to call it getting happy. Possession to them sounds like zombies, but... <laughs> For some reason, when African people do it, it's called possession. That's a whole other argument. But anyway, this, this version of Christianity that I was raised in has an emphasis on possession and also focuses on numbers. And it thinks that seven is God's holy number, although there are lots of numbers mentioned in the Bible. And I feel like that traces its roots to, to certain hoodoo practices. Mm -hmm. So I thought that all the sevens would have been pleasing to Mrs. Hamer because she came up in a generation that would have believed seven was God's favorite number as well. Your use of the form in this work and in this collection is doing what I think form does in its most ideal manifestation, right? Which is that it it speaks to the poem and the poem speaks to it. And it's sort of this, um, this really organic connection between the form and the content. And it, it mm. sounds like that's exactly sort of what you found for, for these poems. So thank mm. you. I love that. Um, so what is a piece of advice that you would offer to poets who are starting out or to poets who are, they're already writing poems, but they want to do more of it, or they might want to find a new way into it. What's some advice that has been useful for you or that you've discovered as you've continued to, to do your own work? All right. So I've got two pieces of advice. Number one, read poetry, read the people who you admire, read deeply, mm -hmm. read and read their biographies too. figure out what made them tick. You know, sometimes it's a little disturbing to go to readings and to have people read a version of a poem that some 
classic poet did much better. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, you absolutely know that they are not reading enough poetry. Yep. So, and the second thing would be to write every day if you can. You know, I I once read this book by Stephen King uh, called On Writing, and he really disabuses writers of our like romantic notions that we go and recline in a garret and compose verse. (laughs) Only, right? (laughs) I wish I could recline in a garret and compose verse. (laughs) Exactly. So he was just like, look, you step up to the podium every day. You get up and you write every day. It won't be brilliant every day, but you write every day. And he's not the only poet who believes that. There's another poet whose name is Quincy Troop, uh, who also has a, uh, uh, what do you call those legal pads? Yeah, he composes on a legal pad, a yellow legal pad. And then yep. he and then he turns it over. So every day he's faced with a blank sheet. Um, and I'm like, wow, you are deeply in your therapeutic practice if you can take that. <laughs> but <laughs> whatever works though, right? Whatever works for each person. But those are the two pieces of advice. Read and write. Yeah. Right. And it's, those are the most, the most essential things. And it's amazing how hard it can feel sometimes to get to either one of those. It can, it's easy to make excuses or to feel like, well, I don't have time to read today. I don't have time to write today. And there may be times when we don't, but right. If you can make that time for it, your work is going to be so much stronger for it. So thank you. Um, Finally, where could we find more of your work? If we want to read some more poems by you. If you want to read more poems, you can go to feminineproun.com. I have my own company that's kind of the umbrella company for all the ways that that people can work with me, whether they want me to teach writing or to uh, write occasional poems for an event. Um, And I also have a business where I help families find money for college, but it's feminineproun.com where you can find out how to buy the book uh, and how to work with me. Great. Thank you. And we always put out with this podcast, a uh, supplemental sheet where we include links to things. So we'll make sure Mm. to include a link to your website on there. So folks can easily access that when they want to look you up. So, Oh, and I also wanted to shout out Fannie Lou Hamer House, my artist retreat in Belleville, Illinois, that I co-host with the great artist Dale Chambers. Uh, We've had six uh, Black women artists and women identified artists come and get rest there. And we will be reopening uh, applications in a few weeks. Oh, thank you. I love that. We will share that also. So that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Dr. Treasure Shields Redmond, for talking about poems and form and Fannie Lou Hamer and the guitar with me today. (laughs) And thank you for sharing your advice. We so enjoyed having you on the show today. And thank you all for listening to the Mississippi Poetry Podcast, where poetry comes alive.